Welcome to An Apple A Day, a podcast, a resource, a community. Share your experiences and learn from others as we overcome barriers and learn to live a happy, healthy life with a disability. Welcome to the community. Here's your host, Jimmy Apple. Welcome to another episode of An Apple A Day. I'm your host, Jimmy Apple. Today is a special episode. This is our 200th episode of An Apple A Day, and I am so glad that you're here with me. An Apple A Day is brought to you by www.famousapple.com. Famousapple.com is the home site for this podcast, so if you get a minute, check it out. How are you feeling today, my friends? I've asked you that 200 times. That's right. I've asked you that 200 times, and 200 times, I hope you've said you're feeling better. You know what? You can't ask for better than that. So, we have got a good one for you today. We're going to be talking about the stimulus checks that are coming in from the government for this COVID-19. And we got a couple other things on the agenda. So, I want you to sit back today. I want you to relax and I want to jump right into this. This is a good one today. This is about that $1,400 stimulus check. And this is something that is very important. Something that you have to know about. So please stay with us and we're going to get right into it. Okay, so sit back, relax, and here we go. just want to give you a word of advice. I had a house in South Carolina and because of medical reasons and family reasons, I had to move back to New York. (laughs) Well, the time that I moved, it was right when the bottom fell out of the real estate market. So it wasn't an opportune time to sell. So what I did is I looked into renting my house and I wasn't too happy renting being that I was moving so far away, but I had lots of friends down there and they said they would look after the house for me, which they did. They did. I had really good friends. But let me tell you something. If you're going to rent, don't be a nice guy. I'm telling you that right now. Don't be a nice guy. Write that down. Don't be a nice guy or a nice girl, nice lady, nice man. Don't be nice. I found myself talking to some people and feeling bad for them because I knew what it was like when I was younger and I was first starting out and I had to rent the place. Now, I talked to this one young couple and I swear, I swear if I'm ever in the position that I'm a landlord again, I will never, mark my words, never rent to a young couple again unless I get five months security. I rented to this young couple. They were in their late 20s. They had one child and another one on the way, and I felt bad for them. They couldn't find a place anywhere, and first it was they gave me the sob story because they were... uh multiracial and that doesn't matter to me I could care less I could care less if you were an earthling and a Martian that doesn't matter to me and so I I talked to them 
and they were both very nice people. And the 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 husband owned the bar, and the wife was a stay-at-home mom. And I said, well, you know what? Let, let's talk. And I found out a little bit about them. The one of them had had a problem with the law about a gun. He had a gun, illegal gun. Never went to jail. It was handled in the courts. And, you know, and I, I don't know. Anyone that tells me they never broke the law or at least bent the law, I don't know. I have some doubts about that. I think everyone has at least bent the law at one time or another. So my biggest concern is that they've never been evicted. They've always paid their rent on time. So I do a background check on everybody. Doesn't matter. I do a background check and I tell them I'm doing a background check. And when you do tell them they're doing a background check, that's when they usually start admitting stuff to you right off the bat. Like that's how I found out about the gun charge and stuff like that. And I didn't find anything else really too bad. And, you know, they gave, they told me like they were having a hard time because the, the, the two races and, you know, and people are prejudiced and I got that story and that, that, I, I don't know, that just didn't sit well with me, but I figured, you know what, young couple, and I'm thinking to myself, I remember how hard it was for me to find somebody to rent to a young couple, and this was a house. So, make a long story short, I rented them the house. At first, they wanted me to give them a five-year lease, and I was like, well, let's try a one-year lease, and everything was fine the first year, and they came and they wanted a five-year lease the second time, and I said, well, let's do a, you know, we'll do a two-year lease the second time. And then I started noticing the rent was coming. It wasn't terribly late, but it was a week late. And, you know, and then it was on time the next time. And the next time it was two or three weeks late. And then it was only a week late. And, but it was late. And then I get this sob story about, oh, uh, you know, things are slow at the bar. And they're going to sell the bar. And they're going to do this. And they're going to do that. And then one day... I get, uh, we're going to be late with the rent. Well, how late are you going to be? Uh, maybe a month. A month? And this is before COVID or anything like that. And uh, they said, yeah, we're going to be late. And then I tried calling them and calling them. I wasn't getting an answer. Then finally they call me back and they say, we're moving in three days. You're moving in three days? Yeah, you can keep the deposit, but we're moving in three days. So I called a friend of mine. They went over there and... Sure enough, they already had a moving truck and they were moving out. And when he went in and looked at the house, it was what a disaster. What a disaster. The Every screen in the house was broken. They hadn't changed the air conditioning filter in the three years that they were there. The stove was a mess. The sink was a mess. The bathrooms were old, well, don't look like they were cleaned in three years. The uh, It was just a god-awful mess. I had to get contractors in. The, the septic tank was not working. Make a long story short, and a $6,000 bill later, I got the house back fixed up again, and I had to rent it. I had to rent the house, and I rented it again. This time, I, <laughs> I said, I'm not renting it to a young couple again. And I got a, a fellow that, he retired from the Navy. And I was like, you can't ask for better than this. A naval naval officer retired, and he came in and he took over. And nice guy, nice nice man. But all of a sudden, I started getting calls from him. 
the toilet to backing up. How can the toilets back up when I just had all the plumbing redone? So, but you know what? I, I trusted him. I called the, the plumbers back that I had work on the house. They went and they looked. They, they called me up to Jim. I don't understand. It doesn't, nothing, nothing seems wrong. And then he said, oh, the, this one toilet is clogged. I said, what about the other side of the house? He said, that toilet's working fine. So I asked the tenants, I said, what happened? Did somebody flush something down there? No, not that I know of, but we had a party on New Year's Eve. (laughs) So he says, I'm not responsible for it. I said, fine. So I had them fix it again. It was plugged up with all kinds of nonsense. Fixed it again. Two months later, I get a call. Oh, the, the toilet's rocking. I don't know what happened. I had my family all over and some friends. A couple of weeks later, I get a call. The garage door, the spring broke on it. How the hell did that happen? This is a man, you know, and it's first thing out of his mouth all the time. It's not my fault, not my fault, not my fault. The house was only six years old. How is all of this happening? So then he tells me he wants to buy the house. Okay, we'll work out something. And then the next thing I know, he tells me, oh, I'm moving. You're moving? Yeah, yeah, I'm moving. He says, by the way, there's a leak in the bathroom. And he says, it's starting to stain the vanity in the bathroom. I was like, it's starting to stain the vanity. I said, let me send somebody over. Well, I sent a friend of mine over who knows plumbing. It's starting to stain. This thing had mold growing in there. This wasn't just a leak that just started. This leak had to be going on for like a year. And this fella had been there a little bit more than a year at this point. So I said to him, I said, why didn't you tell me about this sooner? I no, I didn't know anything about it. Well, where did you keep your towels? Because this was the towel closet, basically. Well, I don't know. I don't know. It's not my fault. Not my fault. This is his favorite saying. Next thing I know, this guy does a midnight move. I'm like, Jesus. After that, I said, this is it. This is it. I'm putting the house up for sale. Well, I got like 30 or 40 people calling me saying they want to they want to rent my house. I refuse to rent it. The point of this whole story is before you rent your house, get a real estate agent. It's worth having the real estate agent rent the house for you. It's worth every penny that you'll pay the real estate agent if you're going to rent out a house or an apartment. Let them manage it. Don't try and manage it yourself. I tried to manage it from a thousand miles away and it cost me. It cost me dearly. So if you're going to have to rent let someone else rent it. If you don't have to be a landlord, boy, I would tell you, don't be a landlord. But this is just a word of advice. If you're gonna have, if you have to rent the piece of property, let the professionals do it for you. You're not really saving any money by doing it yourself. That's just my opinion, my advice. Okay, let's move on. For this $1,400 stimulus check to be deposited in your bank account, you know what? There's a possibility other people are too. And I'm not talking about crooks. I'm talking about debt collectors. That's right. There was some information put out this week, and I'm going to share it with you. It says many Americans are waiting on the third round of stimulus checks may find their payments are going to go to debt collectors instead. 
The new 1.9 trillion American Rescue Plan signed into law doesn't prevent stimulus payments from being garnished. While lawmakers tried to include a provision protecting the payments, the way legislation was passed through the budget reconciliation didn't allow this inclusion. It would be terrible if money that Congress authorized to help feed families, take care of people who are struggling, was grabbed by debt collectors to pay ancient debts, said an associate director of the National Consumer Law Center. That's not why we're enacting this extraordinary relief. Around 158.5 million households are expected to receive a payment under the new stimulus deal, according to the White House. The first $1,200 stimulus checks in the spring weren't protected from the private garnishment or child support, while the second payments of $600 were fully protected. Some states enacted their own protections against garnishment for the first round. Any private debt collector has the that has a judgment against you can garnish the latest round of payments. Credit card and medical debt are the two most likely to be collected by debtors, according to the assistant director. Stimulus checks may also be garnished by debt collectors for unpaid private student loans in some circumstances. Congress is working to get legislation to protect the third round of checks from garnishment, but it could be too late for some since many of the payments are set to hit Americans' bank accounts in the coming days. If the payments are sent before Congress passes any legislation, they won't be coded in a way that alerts banks to automatically protect them. Garnishments vary state to state, but usually the debt collector serves the garnishment order on the on the bank the bank freezes the account and gives the consumer notice the consumer has a short time to go to the court to either contest the order or assert an exemption unless the court lifts the garnishment order the bank will eventually turn the money over to the collector consumers may have the option to withdraw their payments before the bank has been served a garnishment but debt collectors may have a good idea when the payment may be deposited, according to the director. If they think they're not at, if they think they are at risk of a garnishment, they should watch their account and take the money out immediately. So if you think you're at risk to have your money garnished, as soon as you see that money hit the bank, take it out. Take it right out and I don't know, put it in your mattress or something. Because they didn't they didn't put the protection in. They didn't put the protection into this bill to to, to keep you safe. So anyone can, can grab this money from you. If you have student loans, if you have if you defaulted on a car loan or anything like that. So yes, it's the money is there to help you, but <laughs> it's also there if anyone wants to grab any back debt off of you. If you have any back debt, they could grab it right off of you. It's not it, it's not protected money. So there you have it. Okay, let's move on here.
Hey, I just want to give you a little reminder. We're coming into springtime here. And time for you to get out of the house. Maybe go over and visit your friends. Go visit your family. Listen, you know, it's very important to stay on a regimen with your medication. But here's something to remember. If you're going, just say for argument's sake, you're going over to your brother or your sister's house. When you do... Make sure when you bring your medication with you, you bring it in your prescription bottles. Never, now I repeat, never take the pills out and put them into a baggie or a pill box or tinfoil or anything like that. God forbid you were to get stopped by the police and you had prescription drugs in a pill box or baggie or tinfoil. Do you know you could get arrested? That's right. Prescription drugs have to be in the prescription bottles. Doesn't matter if you, you can prove that you take these drugs legitimately. They have to be in the prescription bottles when you take them out of the house. That's right. Now, here's another thing. I know sometimes family members will say, Oh, I have a backache or I have a, a, my arm is hurting or whatever, and you want to be Gary good guy and say, well, you know, I have this pain medication, or you have a friend that doesn't feel well and they have a pain in their back, and you're going to give them one of your painkillers. That is completely, completely illegal. That's dispensing drugs without a license. You're no better than a drug dealer at that point. Now you're laughing. You're going, oh, I'm just giving it to a friend. If you get caught, if your friend gets caught driving while intoxicated with this drug in them, and they say, well, where did you get it from? Not only does your friend get in trouble for taking an illegal narcotic because it's not prescribed to them. Where did you get it? Well, my friend Jimmy gave it to me. Well, now... I'm in trouble because I gave my friend this drug, this narcotic. It's illegal. Do not share your prescription medications with anybody. If you really want to help them, get them a, an appointment with your doctor or get them an appointment with any doctor. But do not, I repeat, do not share your prescriptions with anybody. Remember that because you're opening yourself to a criminal charge, a felony charge. By sharing your medication with anybody. I don't care if you share it with your mother. You open yourself up to a felony criminal charge. And remember, any medication you take out of your house has to be in the prescription bottle. Now here, here's something else to remember. You think by putting it into an old prescription bottle that, oh, you're covering yourself. Think about it like this. Well, you only got to take one one pill later on today. So you put it in an old bottle and just say it's a prescription that you had from two months ago. And the prescription calls for two pills twice a day. So you put two pills in a bottle and it's the quantity is, is 30 or 60 say. Now, then they're giving you 60, two pills a day for 30 days. But it's dated two months ago. You see what I'm getting at? They know that's an expired pill bottle. And now you're carrying it around and you've got two pills in there. Uh -uh. 
It's against the law. Don't fool around with the law. Don't fool around with your medication. Don't distribute your medication to anybody else. Somebody has a pain in their back, recommend the doctor. But don't give the medication because you're distributing medicine without a license. That makes you a drug dealer. Remember that, my friends. I'm only looking out for your best interest. Okay, let's move on. Well, my friends, I want to thank you. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being here today. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being here for the last 200 episodes. This is very special to me. You're very special to me. And I really appreciate it. This is is a, a podcast that they said wouldn't last past seven episodes. They said that we wouldn't get more than 10 people listening to it. We have 20,000 subscribers. We're listened to in 78 countries. That's right. We got people from all over the world listening to us. And I want to thank you. I want to thank you, like I said, from the bottom of my heart. This means the world to me. And I want to remind you, no matter what, things can always be worse. That's right, my friends. Right now, there's someone somewhere wishing that they were in your position. So things can always be worse. Thank you again for being here. You've been listening to An Apple a Day. I hope you'll be listening for another 200 episodes. My name is Jimmy Apple. I'll talk to you again real soon. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to An Apple a Day with Jimmy Apple, your gateway to a happy, healthy life. Join our community at www.famousapple.com. See you next time.